0: friends, welcome to May 11th, Thursday. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Enough for Today. I hope your week is going well Uh, in the Northeast where we live in New England. It's been sunny and pretty and warmer this week, so we are welcoming the good weather. We are together in Psalm 78 and we're picking it up today in verse 9. So I need you to remember this now. Verses 1 to 8 are really a mandate, a commission for us to remember the works of God, to understand the story of God, to know the laws of God. And particularly not just to know the do's and don'ts, but to know the heart of God. Um, And really the heart of God, even the laws of God, point ultimately to the perfect law of liberty and to 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 the law of life in Christ Jesus. And so it all points to grace and mercy. It all culminates in Jesus giving himself in love on the cross and resurrecting to give us new life and new hearts and new birth and eternity with God. So ultimately God's laws are all born out of love, and, and, and a heart of generous, lavish mercy. So we, we talked about the mandate to transfer this to the next generation. And now the psalmist is gonna go back and explain the breakdown in history of, of verse eight, the stubborn, rebellious generation that did not set their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. So verse nine, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. So three, four verses, 9, 10, 11, 12, I wanna focus on today and teach briefly through this. First of all, the children of Ephraim. Let's break this down. The, the, the people of Israel, uh, Jacob had 12 sons, um, and uh, Joseph's, Joseph became two tribes. I'm trying to remember the math here, and I'm doing it extemporaneously. I should have looked this up. Um, somehow, J- two of Joseph's sons become tribes. We end up with 12 tribes, okay? Um, and uh, one of those tribes is Ephraim. Actually, the largest tribe was Ephraim. And that tribe, once they settled, so the children of Israel came, the family of of, uh, Jacob became a nation of slaves that lived in Egypt. And they came out of Egypt, a million strong, following Moses towards the promised land. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Then they followed Joshua into the promised land where they were told to uh, settle the land, divide the land up, give each tribe their portion of the land, where they could then plant vineyards, build cities, raise families, and become the nation in the land that God gave them. They never fully conquered the land. They never fully embraced the commands of God. And one generation did not successfully hand off his principles, his laws, his covenants to the next generation. So by the time you get to Judges, every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. So the the book of Judges is really a book of what happens when everybody forsakes God. Well, during this period of Judges, God's presence was set up. The capital, you could say, the capital city was Shiloh or Shiloh, which is located in Ephraim, in the inheritance, in the portion of land where the tribe of Ephraim was. Now, this land is just north of the city of Jerusalem, and it's a large region, which in the New Testament is called Samaria. Um, So Shiloh, for 290-something years Hundreds of years, it may be 390-something years. I'm trying to extemporaneously recall, but for the first several hundred years of Israel's history, Shiloh was the capital of the region. Joshua, uh, this is where the tribes came together and divided up the land. This is where they set up the the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, so God's presence was dwelling here. You'll remember by the time we get to 1 Samuel, um, the nation has gone away from God and um, Eli, the priest, is, is superintending at Shiloh, but his sons are committing fornication and, and extortion and um, violating the very tabernacle that represented the presence of God. So God condemned, essentially, Shiloh, and the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant and they lost the battle to... Um, uh, to uh, Israel, Israel lost the battle to the Philistines and we go into this dark period of time uh, prior to the reign of Saul and David and the period of the kings. Now I'm telling you all this history, it's all important. Um, so you have then Saul becomes king, the, the nation demands a king, Samuel the prophet kind of holds the nation together for a short season, but then they demand a king. Saul is crowned king, he becomes prideful, self-destructs, David then, God's chosen, uh Man after God's own heart, from the shepherd fields to, uh, to the kingdom. And David becomes a king that leads the nation, the whole nation, uh, to follow God, all 12 tribes. And there's kind of a national revival, and it's a wonderful time of renewal and experiencing a blessing and victory, really, in, in, in the grace of God. God protects the nation and does great things. Well, Solomon grows up with a mixed heart and not quite the relationship or covenant kind of steadfastness that his father had. So under Solomon, he gives way to his lust uh, and his love for women and his love for pleasure and folly. You can read about that in uh, his story, but also in his Chronicles in in Ecclesiastes. He gave his heart to no folly and foolishness. And so by the end of his reign, he's a megalomaniac. He's He's a terrible oppressor. He's enslaved a thousand women, the nation is in rap, rapid decline, though under him it was in, uh, in massive wealth. So you have incredible material blessing, but, but rapid spiritual decline. Well, after Solomon, because of his sin, because of the mixture of idolatry, he, he literally across from the temple a valley and then on a the mountain across from the temple, he created a, another place of worship for all the gods of his wives. It's a tragic story. His son Rehoboam is going to be the king, but God has orchestrated now because of the violation, because of the rebellion, he's going to split the kingdom. And Israel becomes essentially a civil war kind of and becomes two nations, two a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And so after Solomon, there's essentially two Israels. The southern kingdom is referred to as Judah and it's the tribes of it's two tribes, Judah and Benjamin swallowed up into one and that includes the city of Jerusalem and and Judah and Benjamin have this on-off relationship with God. They have a good king, they have a bad king, they have a good king, they have a bad king. The northern kingdom splits under Jer- under Jeroboam. He becomes the king of the northern kingdom. You can read about this in 1 Kings 12. Jeroboam <coughs> is told by God, if you'll stay in covenant relationship with me, I'll bless your kingdom. I'll raise you up as a king and we'll go forward together jeroboam led the nation at that split led the nation to rebel against god he established a a a center of pagan worship just south of shiloh in a place called bethel which is right on the border of judah he didn't want his people going down into judah to worship at jerusalem so he set up a worship place a fake tabernacle a fake temple a fake pagan altar where, and said, this is now our God. And he set one up in the northern city of Dan. You can go there today. If you ever go to Israel with us, which we'd love to have you come with us, uh, we go to both these locations, Bethel and Dan, and we see these pagan places of worship. Uh, I, I stood there several months ago Uh, On a number of different occasions this past year, I've stood at the mound, the altar remains, the the outline remains of where Jeroboam set up this pagan center of worship, both in Bethel uh, and in Dan. So here's the point, and I'm sorry I've taken so long to explain all this, but Ephraim is that northern tribe. Just like Judah is the southern tribe, the northern tribe is often called Israel, and it's often called Ephraim. And so The psalmist is saying the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They were self-sufficient and they separated themselves from the other tribes and they didn't care to help become a part of a cohesive line of defense. They had enough bows. They had enough defense. They could handle themselves. They were utterly self-sufficient so they broke away. Verse 10, and they kept not the covenant of God, the pagan altars, the idolatry, the worship. By the way, this is happening late in the life of Israel, okay? And he's gonna go back in the narrative to the very beginning, because verse 12, he talks about Egypt, which is hundreds of years prior. But he's setting this up. He's saying, this tribe refused to walk in God's ways. They broke away from the covenant of God. They forgot his works, and they forgot his wonders that he showed them. Verse 12, marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. Now, I'm gonna pause for today because we've set it up. We've set up a lot of the history. There's a lot here, um, but he said, th- this. that's what tells us the psalm is being written late in the history of the nation of Israel because it's happened after the reign of Solomon, David, Saul, David, and Solomon. It's happened during the reign of Jeroboam where the split has happened, and the psalmist is gonna now diagnose how did we get here? And it, he's going to go back and talk about the trail of sin and rebellion and regret that led them to where they are. What's one of the big takeaways? One of the big takeaways, my friend, is if you have been away from God and if you're in a place where things have come undone around you, it's not, it's not, it may not simply be uh, just circumstantial, you know, or bad luck or fate or it, it, it could be that We get ourselves into a place that's far. we feel far from God because we've followed down a path of rebellion. Now the answer is repentance. The answer is turn back to the heart of God. Come back into his covenant. Come back into a steadfast relationship with him. Let him revive you. Let him renew you. Let him uh, reclaim you. Be reconciled to God. That is what the work of Jesus made possible. But this tribe, these northern tribes, would not have it. They were utterly self-sufficient. They they wanted their autonomy. My friend, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to step away from God and say, I can handle this. I've got it. It will lead to a place of regret. So we're going to find out how we got here um, tomorrow and the days ahead. So happy Thursday. I'll see you tomorrow.